Thank you. Wow, look at us go. <laughs> church. Uh, well, hello. Um, good morning. Good morning. I'm so glad we can be here together today. Uh, this beautiful morning. Camarillo is so awesome. I love the weather. Yeah. Um, <laughs> to see all your beautiful faces, joy, glee, and happiness. Um, before I get started, I see some unfamiliar faces. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself. My name is uh, Josh Massey. I've been here in Shoreline for about 13, 14 years. Uh, I got baptized and became a Christian to follow God, became a disciple of Jesus nice. about 11 years, going on 12 this October. Amen. Um, I also got married a year and a half ago to that beautiful woman right there. Come on, give her a round of applause. Let's go. <laughs> um, and we actually just moved into our tiny house. Now, when I say tiny house, some of you might be thinking a 200 square foot, like tiny little loft where you pull down the toilet, pull down the bed, and it's all one thing. I'm talking a literal tiny house. Steve told me that apparently houses were this big before, and I'm kind of, I feel sorry for them at that time, because I'm like, wow, if that was true, dang, they must have had a lot of land. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. It's encouraging. So it is uh, 704 square feet, two bed, two bath. Um, and it's been incredible. It's been a year and a half in the making to get to this point. So it's been a journey, right? And in the meantime, we were living in a tiny little bedroom, probably around this big. Uh, so <laughs> so we, we definitely feel the space and the difference, right? My, I was, we were living with my sister who has three little daughters um, that are amazing, incredible and annoying. Um, <laughs> and so it's been a journey, right? And we actually just this last week opened a lot of our wedding gifts from over a year and a half ago, right? So that was huge emotional, but also a victory. Um, it's been a, a journey and a half and an adventure. I can share so much about that, um, but I'm not going to bore you with those details right now. Um, but because of moving, it's been a bit of a rough month. I can't remember a day where I didn't wake up and was like, I want more sleep. You know, I don't know if some of you can relate to that. But I, I definitely felt like that most, I felt like that today, waking up today. So um, let me tell you, it's been a bit of a tough month, um, just trying to move things, build things. We moved in when the house wasn't complete yet. We didn't have a kitchen. Um, so they were still putting in the cabinets, putting in the stove, putting in the appliances. Um, but now it's complete, amen? Um, and along the, the way, we went on a double with Logan, who's over there with the team class, who is also, also preaching to the team <laughs> class. <laughs> um, so we went on a double with them, and uh, we went out to L.A. Um, we, had a, we were able to go to, where did we go, babe? Yeah, but before that. Oh, we had Brazilian Steakhouse. I don't know if you guys have been there before for a Brazilian Steakhouse, but it's all-you-can-eat meat. Um, which is not great for my wife because she's pescatarian. Um, but for me, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it and it was incredible. And then after that, we went to a, um, a scenic overlook in Baldwin Hills. And we went there to pray. We actually got kicked out, little tidbit. But uh, we went there to pray. So I didn't get to pray. I had to pray while driving. But we went there to pray. And as we were praying, something kind of came over me. And I was like, I wonder what Jesus would see looking out at the city. For me, what I saw was like, oh, wow, look at the skyline. Look at the buildings, all the people, all their lives kind of interweaving and all the, there's just so much happening. 
the the night sky looked incredible and beautiful you could see the stars and then right in between the night sky and the city you could see that thick layer of smog it's beautiful um <laughs> right and i thought what would jesus see and then i was like i feel like if jesus saw this and looked at the city he would see look at all these broken people look at all these people that need my help look at all the souls who are are crying themselves to sleep all, all the, the men and women, the children, the people that are suffering, right? And that sounds depressing, right? And you think of Jesus like happy-go-lucky guy. And, but there, there's a lot of sadness to be had with that. But also there's joy. And this leads me into the title of my lesson today, which is a transformative healer. Because at the end of the day, Jesus sees pain. But the beauty about Jesus is that he sees pain that he can heal. He might see the suffering, he might see the sadness, he might see it as depressing, but at the end of the day, he has the power to heal. And that's why we're all here today, right? We didn't come to Jesus because he looked cool. We came to Jesus because he could heal us. We saw healing in our lives. And I'm sure with many of you, if I talk to you, you would have you can tell me stories about healing that you personally experienced, seen, or been a part of. And so that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to have three points. They're going to be, uh, number one, know the healer. Number two, trust the healer. And number three, be the healer. Nice. And for us to be able to walk this out in our lives, we're going to say that together. So the, the point number one is know the healer. Know the healer. I didn't hear you loud enough. I got to hear everybody. I'm looking. Know the healer. Number two is trust the healer. Trust the healer. Number three is be the healer. Be the healer. Amen. And so the first one is know the healer. And we're going to go, um, we're going to be camping in Isaiah 53, starting in verse one. And Isaiah is really cool because Isaiah is the prophecy. And this verse specifically is a prophecy of Jesus. 700 years, about 700 years before Jesus came to be. Imagine 700 years ago from now, that'd be 1322, if someone prophesied that Biden was going to be president, and you'd be like, what? Blown away, right? That's unreal, <laughs> right? Or if that someone prophesied in 2020, there'd be coronavirus. Right. You'd be like, wow, massive conspiracy, <laughs> right? And so that's kind of what Jesus was. He was a prophecy that came 700 years before he even existed. And to me, that's mind boggling. I share that a lot in, in Bible studies because it shows the beautiful majesty of God. Um, and so in Isaiah 53, verse one, it reads, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was average, amen. I know I'm average and I relate to that. Um, and then verse three, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in a low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. 
but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this scripture, we're going to kind of break this down today to see how Jesus has inspired our lives and how he can continue to inspire us towards healing, towards a transformed life through healing. Oh, you're awesome, bro. Thank you, man. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks, Greg. Um, and so we're, when I read this scripture, I start with kind of getting to know Jesus and who he was. And two things that stand out to me about Jesus is his connection to God and his obedience to God. I, I know they kind of, they, they intertwine for me. And I see that biggest and most in Gethsemane, right before Jesus is going to go to the, go to the, um, go to the cross. And I, I, you guys can turn there. I'm going to be in Matthew 26 in verse 38. Um, but I'm, I'm only reading one part of it. And what struck me about this moment is Jesus was very vulnerable. He was very emotional. Um, and for me, as I grew up, I, I, I didn't really experience a lot of that from men. Uh, I experienced very cold, distant relationship. And so to see Jesus do this was kind of astonishing to me. So we'll read just verse 38. It says in verse 38, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. And in another version in Luke, it says that he literally sweat blood because of the immense, immense amount of emotions that he was feeling. Yeah. Jesus opened up his heart and poured out his heart to God. We see that in the beginning, right when he was going to start his ministry in Mark 135, when he goes out and he goes by himself early, early in the morning before the sun rose and he prayed to God. He took that moment, not because he was feeling weak, but because he was strong and the source of his strength was God. And for me, that, that makes the question, what is the source of your strength? Where do you grab your strength from? How are you able to take care of your kids, your spouse, go to work every day, take care of yourself? That's a mission in and of itself, right? How do we do that? Where, what is the source of our strength? And I think Jesus was a great example of how he bore our pain. He bore our suffering so that we could be released from it. And so the, the first thing in knowing Jesus is that he wants to release us of our pain and suffering. The only way that that transformative healing, the only way we can be transformed by the healing is by confronting our pain and then releasing the pain to Jesus, right? We have to see the pain, not just be like, oh, it's over there. I'm going to move on, right? No, we have to confront it. We have to feel all of the pain that's inside of us. We have to be a part of that and then release it to God. And yet, 
in our pain, in our depression, in our addictions, in our traumas, in our self-harm, in our bitterness, in our anger, in our sadness, in our anxieties, those things can cloud us to the point where we don't see Jesus all the time. We can't find him. We don't, we don't know him because we're clouded by our pain. And so we must lean into the healer to be able to find the transformation that is awaiting us. Come on, Josh. I, I find that in my life, it's been hard to do that. Uh, when I first became a disciple, I was robotic. Uh, I was actually, we were having a Bible study. I was talking to them about it. And I was like, when I first became a disciple, my prayers were, God, humble me. God, let me fellowship. God, I want to talk to people. Help me read my Bible. Right? So that's what my discipleship was like. And it's like, what kind of connection did I have? And that, that resulted in sin. Right? Because I didn't have a, a depth of connection with God, it resulted in sin. I leaned into sexual desires. I leaned into my, my own selfish desires. I rejected the emotions. But part of the reason why I'm in school today is because I never dealt with the emotional traumas of my childhood. I was told all the time by teachers that I wouldn't be able to succeed in school. And that hurt me greatly. Right? But I didn't want to recognize that. I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. And so I never finished because I never dealt with the pain. I didn't confront it. I just tried to release it. And so we have to confront and then release to be able to pursue transformation. And today I cry all the time. My, my tear ducts feel like they're like this big and they just, it flows. It's like an ever flowing river. It's kind of unfortunate sometimes. Like I feel like I could cry right now and I'm like, okay, I don't want to do that yet. <laughs> I say, yeah, come on. <laughs> and we even see that in Geo, right? In the last few weeks, we've seen so much emotion from Geo in his yeah. sermons. I've known Geo for so many years and I know you guys have too. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen this much of depth of emotion from him. And we see that because he's being transformed before our eyes. Because he's beginning to know the healer. So that leads me into our second point, which is that we have to trust the healer. So we're going to go right back to Isaiah. Um, I was going to say this earlier, but I forgot. Amen. Um, but we should bookmark Isaiah because we're going to go back to those verses to be able to, to read them and continue on. Um, so I'm going to go to Isaiah and I'm going to read in verse five. Okay. So verse five says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I'm going to read that last part one more time. It says, the punishment that brought us peace, that brought us peace, was on him. And we, and by his wounds, we are healed. See, we have to trust that God bore all of our pain and suffering, all our sin, all our mistakes. He bore everything on the cross in order to receive the healing. Because the moment we don't trust it, is the moment that we reject it. 
And he was beaten, he was bruised, and he was killed ultimately to heal us, to allow us to be whole and to be complete. And it reminds me of another story in the Bible where Jesus asked man, do you want to get well, right? And I feel like when we get baptized or when we start to go know Jesus, he asks us the same question. Do you want to get well? And I think emotionally our answer is, yes, please, Jesus. That's why I got baptized. But our actions don't always follow, right? Because we don't confront our pain. We don't confront the things that hurt us. We don't actually approach our shame, our guilt, our depression, our anxieties. So I want to challenge us to not be comfortable, but to be uncomfortable. And I'm not talking like, oh, go be radical and share with like 35 people. No, I'm saying be uncomfortable with your emotions. Be uncomfortable with what you're feeling inside and approaching those so that you can seek the healing that Jesus wants for you. Because you'll see a transformation that you've never experienced. I'm still experiencing that now. And I, I'm personally trying to do that in my life. And let me tell you, it's not easy. A lot of the reason why I cry so much is because I'll start to remember more from my childhood because I blocked it all out emotionally. And I'll start to remember more good things about my father. I know most of you know about my dad. He, was, um, he fled the country because he was going to go to jail for being a, a child molester. So it was a lot. It was intense. It was hard. And so it, it kind of made me shut down emotionally. But now it's starting to all come back up. And I'm like, oh, this emotional is a lot. So much that I have to deal with. And the results of those sins in the past come up in my marriage. They come up in my friendship with my mom, my sister, my nieces, everywhere. My friendships, it's just everywhere. And I can see it. And at times I can't stop myself from the sin, but I see the sin. And that frustrates me. And so I would like to call my on my wife, because uh, one of the people that I think trusts the Lord most and inspires me the most in this is my wife. And so she's going to share a little bit about how she has trusted the healer. Wow. Give a round of applause. Please do come on. She deserves it. Well, those of you that don't know me, my name is Janelle. Um, and when I think of times in my life where I've had to trust the healer, I think about a time in my like 1920s, early college years. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I grew up in the church. I grew up in Sacramento. Um, I'm a family of disciples. Um, we're going to church and became a disciple when I was in my teens. Um, but around this time, the church was going through a lot. Um, I saw a lot of just brokenness, uh, a lot of friendships and people just flee. A lot of sin, like just kind of running rampant. And it was very hurtful to me because that was my church home. It was all I knew. Um, I saw friendships, like friends leave. My friends that I had since I was one year old, like my entire life, just literally left the state without telling my family. Um, and so it was a really, really difficult time for me, um, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and I just got into a really low low. Um, I felt like it was hard to trust God because I, I saw so much of what I knew just broken. Um, and so I decided, there's a lot of things that were going on, I decided to join a different ministry. And in that time, I was really depressed. I was um, 
just very low. I struggled with suicidal thoughts. I didn't really have any vision for my life. But, you know, I was in my 19, you know, I was like 19. I, that's the time of life where you should have like, oh, I, there's so much life ahead of you. There's so much you can do. And I just, I didn't really see anything past like the next year even. Like I didn't have any hope for the future. Um, so I struggled a lot with suicidal thoughts and self-harm. Um, I felt very isolated because I didn't have friends. All my friends were gone. So I was very alone, very lonely. I, I still wanted God, but I didn't really know, you know, how to go closer. I felt very alone and very isolated. Um, I was very depressed. And around this time, my sisters, um, they are disciples, and they had moved to Southern California, and they came to visit. And they just sat with me, and they, they prayed with me, they cried with me, um, and they were just, you know, hearing my heart. And they were like, you know, I really feel like you'd do really great if you just moved, you know, move to, move to Long Beach, where we are. And I was like, Long Beach? Like, I even know where Long Beach is. Like I knew that they lived there, but I didn't really know like what this this place was. And so they were like, "Yeah, the campus ministry is incredible. I think you'd do really well there." And it was really challenging to me because I lived in Sacramento my whole life. Um, I lived in the same house my whole life in the same room. Like that was my familiar. That's all I knew. And they were like challenging me, like, "Hey, like move your whole life to Southern California, this place you've never really been." I went to visit them once. I thought I was just in LA. I didn't know where it was, but um, still, it was a big calling. And um, I decided that I was going to trust in God and I was going to pray. So I prayed and I fasted for 30 days. Uh, not I fasted. <laughs> I'm not Jesus. Um, I, fasted from, I fasted from TV, which was a big deal at that time. Um, and so it's like fasting from your phone. like from the TV. Um, And so for 30 days and on the third, the last day of my fast, the, the women's minister in Long Beach called me. It was literally the last day. And she said, we have a campus household here that we'd love to have you come join. Um, just had an opening, please move. And I was just like, okay, I guess I'm I'm moving. And it was just so incredible because it was definitely a challenge to just pray and fast about preparing to uproot my whole life to just move to place. But in that move, um, I, so I moved right after that, um, God just healed so much of my heart. Um, moving to Long Beach, I was part of the campus ministry, which was 130 students at that time. So that was just the campus. Um, I had fellowship with disciples. That was incredible. Um, God restored my faith in him and being able to learn and develop my own sense of self and my own convictions. Um, a lot of my depression, like he just healed that. I went to counseling and therapy and grief recovery and just so many things that, and that he healed in my, in my heart um, from just my past traumas, my depression, my self-harm. Um, and also just friendship. I wasn't lonely. Like I was in a household and from that household, I got my now best friend of more than 10 years, who was the maid of honor at my wedding. Um, so he just healed so much. And, um, and so I think that time was just so incredible. And, you know, fast forward some years in my singleness, I think about that time, I really had to trust God. Um, I, you know, in my mid twenties, late twenties, I was single <laughs> and, um, I never dated and it was very difficult for me um, because I always wanted to be married. I always wanted to be a wife and have a family. And I didn't, I was afraid that I would never have that. Um, I saw women like my friends getting married. I saw um, women I studied the Bible with getting married. They were younger than me. And I was just like, gosh, God, like, what is this going to happen for me? I'm just going to be alone. I felt forgotten. I felt like that was going to happen. And, you know, a lot of insecurity I dealt with, uh, being a black woman, feeling like, oh, I'm not going to be desired or wanted. Just a lot of things that um, in the time, like after I started really just trusting God with those fears, 
I had to really lay down to him and I decided to trust him with my singleness and decide to trust him with that desire. Um, and so a scripture that I think about with this is in Hebrews 5 verse 7, it says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And that just inspired me. Jesus inspired me because I saw that in his suffering and his challenges, he submitted to God and he cried out to God. Like he gave his 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 pain to God, his suffering to God, and he was able to be healed. And so I decided to pray for that longing and those desires and those insecurities and those fears and just submit. I decided to serve. I gave my whole heart to serving the teen ministry, um, which is incredible. Um, and it was in that service that I met my now, now husband at teen camp, serving the teens. And um, it was incredible. I feel like um, God definitely just healed a lot of that. It's still healed, even in my marriage. Um, learning to be a wife that's not an easy role but it's incredible God is still healing I think a lot um in this role I've learned you know just had to I've had to face a lot of my past traumas as a child um just different anxieties that I struggle with that affect my husband now um and he's just continually healed continually healing me but I just always go back to this example of Jesus um submitting to God and crying out to God and that's to me is just I'm so grateful that we have a God who heals and that we can trust. Thank you. Awesome. I think for me, something that, that stood out from that is that Jesus has healed us. He is healing us and he will heal us. It's eternal is a process that never ends until we are fully complete in heaven with God. So healing is a, a life journey. And if we're not pursuing it, then we're rejecting God at the basis, rejecting the healer. And so I want to challenge us to trust the healer so he can heal us from the inside and allow us affect others, which leads me to my last point, which is to be the healer. Because at the end of the day, that is a commission that he calls us to, amen? So we're going to go back to Isaiah 53, <laughs> and uh, we're going to read in verse 2, and it says, he grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus was average. This is one of the few scriptures that gives us a description of kind of at least a little bit of what Jesus looked like. We all see the pictures of Jesus being like this beautiful man with long locks and all those pictures right but no jesus was average he wasn't beautiful like an actor that could attract everyone to him no jesus attracted people because he was the healer 
And I think we as a church at times can try to attract people because of how cool we look, how beautiful we are, or how much we can dress up the Bible. But at the end of the day, why people are attracted to God is because he heals. And so we have to go out and attract people to the healer. Call people to healing and provide that for them. Because we all need him. That's why I was inspired by that scenic overlook in Baldwin Hills because I looked out and I was like, wow, Jesus, you are incredible that you were able to look upon each and every one of us and see someone worth the healing. Jesus wants to heal. Let's go over to Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. I'm turning there too. Don't worry, you're not alone. Um, Luke 4, 18. Oops. It reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That year of the Lord's favor is the year of Jubilee that they talk about in the Old Testament. The year where slaves were freed, where it was, it was joyous. Jubilee is a joyous occasion. And that's the Jesus that we serve, that we are to proclaim to others. A jubilous Jesus that we can give to everyone around us. Jesus calls us to be the healer everywhere we go. And that starts with a transformation inside of us. By knowing the healer. By trusting the healer, and in turn, we can be the healer. Let's pray. Lord, God Almighty, perfect and majestic you are, God. You have come to save us from all the things that hurt us, all the things that, that bog us down, all the backpacks that we try to carry. Lord, I pray for a release in our church, a release from the things that bog us down from being able to heal others and heal ourselves. I pray for your presence to be felt to another degree that we've never experienced, Lord, that we experience emotionally healthy spirituality, that we're able to see you present in every interaction that we have, both with ourselves and with others. And I pray, Lord, that we're able to share this with everyone around us, with every community, that our church has a Latin ministry, Lord, that we're tapping into a ministry that we haven't tapped into, Amen. that we're doing something that we haven't done before, and we're moving people that we haven't moved before, that we are proclaiming to the poor and to the needy. And that we are doing what Jesus, you call us to and what you have done. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your perfection. Because without you, we are broken. In your son's name we pray. Amen.